Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Oh man, what a jam-packed Saturday lineup we've got for you this day. It's a rare two-guest interview day, but there's along the same theme of introspection, a lot of attention, attention to self, and knowing oneself that I want to look at today. So with me will be Dr. Joseph Cardillo and Paul Larson. Now, Dr. Joseph Cardillo, he just wrote the book, The Twelve Rules of Attention. What are his twelve rules? Well, you'll have to find out. And Paul Larson, who talks about the imposter syndrome, embracing ourselves instead of feeling like someone we're not, feeling like we're someone we're not when we really are that person. Find out more about the imposter syndrome and what Paul Larson has to say. But first, Dr. Cardillo joins. So let's start there. Your book is called 12 Rules of Attention, How to Avoid Screw-Ups, Free Up Headspace, Do More, and Be More at Work. Look, we've all kind of been working from home. Some have to be in the office, but a lot have been at home. Uh, And so lifting the mask mandate, maybe lifting office restrictions, I feel like paying attention has been a tough thing in this year, has it not? Yeah, it's been it's been tougher and tougher for people, uh, and and you know the, the reason for that, uh, you know, one I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that, but one one huge reason for that is you know nobody expected this pandemic, uh, and uh, and you know we all we all have like some pretty good habits that we use every day to get us through the day. And, you know, most of us have developed these over years and we've developed them at work. We've developed them at home with our relationships and so on. You know, and all of a sudden, you know, the the rug got pulled from under us and we had to change on on a dime. We really had to change very quickly uh, and and come up with with, you know, probably quite a few ways of doing things in that differently so that we could get through these these days of the last year and and a half just about. Uh, And so, you know, it took a while for people to to let go of those old habits uh, because they were messing us up. They didn't work anymore. Uh, And it took uh, it took time to develop new ways of doing things. Um, And I hate to break the news, but it's going to happen again as we pull out of the pandemic. We're going to want to we're going to want to develop, you know, habits to deal, you know, with the with the world back to normal again, too. So or or maybe a little a little more traumatizing, right? So if people are still wanting to wear the mask but see others not wearing it, that can be off-putting. But I feel like you wrote this book because you had clients yourself talk about how they're losing attention uh, in the current state. Is that, is that about right, Doctor Cardillo? Well, you know, I I wrote the book. I I. I wrote the book. I'm a I'm a research uh, I'm a research psychologist, and and I wrote the book. I started to write a I wrote a, an attention book uh, about uh, about 15 years ago, and study and started my research on attention about probably uh, more than two decades ago, uh, and uh, and so focus has been a real serious part of of my research. You know. For several several decades, really, um, and when I started to write this book, I you know I wrote it uh, because you know I was well you know for, for for some humorous reasons really you know I mean I you know who hasn't misplaced their car keys lately <laughs> you know or who hasn't who hasn't gone to the grocery store to buy <clears throat> to buy one item that um, that they that they want. And, and then they buy everything but that item, and on the way home they realize, oh, gee, I didn't buy the one thing I went there to get. So, you know, there's some humor in this all. Who hasn't ordered something at a restaurant and gotten the wrong thing? Um, so, you know, there's some humor to it all. But, you know, I was looking at some statistics, and one of the statistics I looked at was that about $650 billion goes down the drain every year uh, because of workforce error that, uh, you know, people have attributed to uh, a loss of attention by employees. Um, Add to that 50 percent plus uh, employees don't really feel uh, good about their job. They're, you know, they're dissatisfied uh, with their work. And add to that about 82 percent of us feel that whatever it is that 
that that that we think our greatest talent is, you know, our our most heartfelt talent um, is 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 missed out on at work is is not even um, not even recognized at work. So when you put that whole thing together, it kind of it kind of says something. It kind of says um, it, it kind of suggests why why uh, we're we're having this um, uh, dip in 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 focus. Um, and then again, you know, like we've been talking, add add the last year to it, and it and it tends to uh, you know tends to make make a situation worse. But uh, um, uh, nothing that we can't fix, though. Well, let's talk about the technological aspect of this because I feel that um, the roll up your sleeves, get get to work, has kind of been diminished by automation, by technology, by even our phones because that's what we do when we have a little downtime. We just look at it. So do you have any tips for us on staying attention and off our phones? Yeah. Applying to even as we come out of this pandemic. Well, I think, I think one of the best things that that could come out of this pandemic uh, is that, is that we do some, uh, some introspection and, you know, since, since things have kind of, um, slowed down for, for, for a lot of us, um, that we do some introspection and really take a look at what we want out of life and, and, and how we'd like to live, you know, the rest of our lives and what types of things we might want to get involved in, you know, everything from, from work to relationships and how can we take those, those God-given talents that we all have and, and, and enjoy them more and share them more with other people. So I think introspection has got to be at the top of my list. Um, I think that, uh, you know, one of the reasons that, that uh, attention uh, is, um, it, you know, is not as, as sharp uh, is because, you know, we don't spend enough time uh, introspecting and, and finding out, you know, what it is really that juices us up in, in, in this, in this uh, world. And I think that, you know, once we know that, then we'll pay more attention to the details that will provide that for us. So I think that's really important. And, and, and that weighs into making us happy and getting along with people and doing a good job. Um, and then there's a, you know, there's a couple other things I can share with you, but I would, I would put introspection and self-awareness at the top of the list. I talk about that a lot in the book, as a matter of fact. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a fun thing to do, you know, to, to, to find out more about, you know, what it is that, that our, our, our talents are all about. Well, I think a lot of people had a shift from doing one thing to another. I mean, unfortunately, they got laid off, but possibly some of them were able to discover new talents during that. So I could see yeah, where you're yeah. going with that. Yeah, it's a great time for that, really. Um, and, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that, that's, you know, caught my eye lately is I think a, a lot of people – have um, have have learned some of them, you know, have learned new merits to uh, online learning um, and uh, you know better online communication and networking and so on. And I think that that through that we can start to sort of uh, reinvent, you know, a, a new kind of uh, a future for ourselves that's closer to who we are and what we what we love and what we love to do uh, and that kind of thing introspection is important and I don't know it just seems like we've had a lot of time but maybe give us some advice and maybe me advice because I'm I'm talking from a personalist perspective too how do we do introspection in a busy work day we're back in the workforce and in the workspace how do we make time for ourselves to introspect I feel like it's going to be something you have to carve out more so than you did when you were at home yeah yeah I I agree and and I think that we have to really uh we, we have to we have to plan that in just like we would plan in anything else that we do during the week, anything else that's important that we're going to do during during our work week. And so, you know, you know, for me, for me, I, you know, I would I would I would practice introspection, you know, at the time of day when when my mind seems to be most relaxed and, and most free. So for some people that might be first thing in the morning uh, for other people. It might be during lunchtime to find a nice relaxed spot where they can really start to think out and plan out some of the things uh, that they want to do. And for other people, it might be at night. But if we do screw up, how do we shake that off and say it is what it is and move on to the next thing? 
Well, you know, one of the things one of the things that you know that we can do is to to, to look at error in a way uh, in, in a in a slightly uh, uh, different way uh, than than uh, just getting upset with our performance. Sometimes we can take a look at an error that we've made as a wake up call, um, and 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 a, and a you know wake up call to 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 take a closer look uh, at whatever it is that we're doing. Um, and, 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 and fix, fix whatever it is that, that helped, that, that put us in that mode that caused the error itself. So one of the things that I recommend is the, you know, my first rule of attention is to pay attention to how we're paying attention. So regardless of whether it's a work error and ask, you know, an error in, 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 in sports, uh, an error in relationships or what have you, my first uh, recommendation is to take a look at how you are paying attention in that moment. So, for example, um, you know, one of the things that we might want to do uh, at the end of the day is to introspect on, on things that didn't quite go our way, things that didn't work out. And, and to trace our footsteps through those experiences so that we can take a real almost microscopic look at what was going on, um, what it was, what details led up to the error. And that way we can isolate what went wrong and we can kind of put that in the back of our mind for starters and, and use that information in an effort to delete uh, that the next time we're in a similar situation, because if we don't do that, if, if we don't isolate what it was that led up to an error, uh, again, whether it's sports or relationships or work, um, if we don't isolate that, what happens is, is we're going to record that in our memory. And the next time we're in a similar situation, we're going to act the same way. And repeat the same error you know and that's why you know like for, <laughs> for example when i was a kid my mother used to say all the time i wish i had a dollar for every time i did that you know thus and thus and uh you know it's that repeated error kind of thing um so you know isolating the error by walking uh through our footsteps that led up to it isolating the details that kicked in uh is a good way to to try to delete the error from the next time uh, you know, we're in a similar situation. Um, another thing that we can do is when when we're reflecting on that situation, we can also look for other things that we might have done instead, like alternative actions that we might have engaged in instead of the action that led to the error. Uh, and then uh, by by visualizing ourselves in an alternate action, and if we do it enough times, if we visualize that alternate action enough times, the next time a situation comes up, uh, again, whether it's sport or whether it's relationships or work, the next time a situation comes up like that, we'll revert to the new behavior rather than to the old pattern. So sometimes when we make mistakes, um, they're like a, a wake-up call to find a way to avoid them. And, and this is a good way to to, to start anyway. Well, so you talk about visioning alternative solutions, but I also find that people can often stew over those alternatives. So how do we balance it out? Like we can't keep going over the same situation over and over again. That's going to drive us crazy. Yeah, it would. It would. So, you know, what I would do is I would, you know, I would pick a, I would pick a, a behavior or an action. Uh, it can be emotional too. It doesn't have to be, you know, a, you know, uh, a physical action, but a behavior or an action that, that somebody want that, that you want to change. Like, for example, let's say that, let's say that, that, that an individual wants to control the way they, they attend an office meeting. Let's say that whenever they go to an office meeting, uh, they just never speak up and they'd like to, they'd like to have a little more input. Then one thing that they can do is they can, they can try to lead up 
they they can try to um, they, they can try to visualize that office meeting ahead of time and 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 consider a few alternative ways that they could have input, like when when they might answer a question or what kind of question they might answer or even what point in the meeting they might do it. And then you're right, you can't drive yourself crazy with that, but you have to bring it up. Uh, you have to go uh, bring it up a couple of times uh, beforehand so that you so that you develop enough of a habit or enough of a pattern in your mind that that pattern will kick in in real time. That's one of the mistakes people make when they um, they use visualization. They only they, they only call it up a few you know once or twice, but you have to call it up more than that. It, it kind of like you're trying to develop a habit. But again, not to drive yourself crazy, like 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 you said, that's true. Uh, let's talk about Headspace for a minute. There's actually an app called Headspace, which is meditational. But uh, it, it's important to have that. And I I just wonder, is meditation enough to give us a clearer headspace? Like what what else can we do to literally have a clear head uh, going into the day? I like to write down to do lists, and then that helps me actually just get motivated to finish them. Uh, would to-do lists be a good thing, or what, what other ways can we do it alongside meditation if some choose that route? Well, the, to, the to-do list is a good thing. I mean, I, I, that, that's a, a, a great idea for, for managing time and making sure that you have enough time to do each thing. And, you know, it's kind of a lot, a certain amount of time. You know, one, one thing that I recommend uh, that people do is when they, you know, when they have uh, stuff uh, coming up throughout the day, um, if if you can tell yourself, you know, I'm going to put, I'm going to do this for such and such an amount of time. I'm going to put this off. I'm not even going to think about this until four o'clock this afternoon, or I'll, I'll think about this after dinner, or something like that. Those kind of messages uh, to yourself help uh, with management. But one of the things that um, that uh, I think that we can do to to uh, give ourselves a lot more headspace is to is to clear out some of the things that are going to some of the obvious distractions that we're going to have throughout the day and um, you know we, we could try to ahead of time take a look at our day and assess what distractions we might have and think about you know what can I do to avoid those distractions or at least minimize those distractions do I do I have to go and work in a different space maybe um, do I have to do a certain project at a different time maybe Maybe uh, that kind of thing. Um, uh, the other thing that we can do, and that I go into deep uh, in the book, is to 96% of what we do throughout the day uh, is done. Believe it or not, is done automatically. And so most of most of the thoughts that we have, most of the actions that we have, uh, are kicking in uh, automatically. And so we might want to take a look at that kind of thing like what's kicking in throughout my day that's 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 sucking up my energy and and kicking in automatically like i'm not even thinking about it but there it is uh, you know kicking in all day long um you know like that recurring thought that we have all day long etc uh and so you know what i recommend in my book and and going too deep is is identifying those automatic patterns that kick in on us all day long and minimizing the ones that are that 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 cause more distraction and minimizing the ones that that actually are problematic for us that kind of thing um and by the way dr cordillo your book is called the 12 rules of attention how to avoid screw-ups free up headspace be do more and be more at work and again i feel like this kind of this is helpful because we want to be more at work in the workspace. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there was a 69% burnout rate working from home. And so what's to say the burnout won't happen in the office? Like, it's fascinating that working from home, they actually found some burnout rates as well there. <laughs> yeah, 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 I I would think that you know that it could be even higher than than the sixty nine percent. A lot of burnout, and 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 one of the main reasons uh, for the burnout is that you know we're not we most of us weren't weren't prepared for that, and so you know everything uh, just you know was was different and and very very quickly different. Uh, and so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I think that probably it's even higher than, than 69 percent. 
Uh, and well, let me ask on that front: does, does, does interaction can interaction benefit attention? I mean, I feel like sometimes uh, we don't devote enough attention to people in front of us. Is, is this pandemic going to inspire us to be more attentive to those in front of us? And is that the best way to be attentive? Is to be in front of someone else? Oh, but that's that's a great that's a great question, and and it's also a great idea. You know that that's another reason for a lot of the burnout is is that we we lost a lot of uh, capability in terms of socialization. You know, in person socialization, which people need, really need, you know, to to stay in balance. So yeah. And so when you had a client or two, or, or clients come up to you and say, or in your research um, for this book. Where did interaction rate in the attention categories? Obviously, I have these twelve rules, but did did interaction play into all of the research? Well, inter- interaction is, is is extremely important, and then just in general, and then and then then it really kind of depends on the individual as well, because some people need a lot more uh, socialization than others do, and in fact. There are some people who just, you know, there are some people, believe it or not, who probably, you know, uh, you know, did better, you know, working at home with with, with less socialization at work. Uh, so the, the part of it depends on the individual. But there again um, is is, you know, is is the the necessity to introspect and and, and to get in to, to get inside yourself and see what it is that gives you energy throughout the day and what it is that depletes your energy throughout the day. So one person's answer might be, I, you know, I really need more socialization in order to energize myself. And then when the person gets energized, they find that they have better focus, better attention, better organization, better emotional balance, and they're probably going to be less distressed um, and, and have a more upbeat uh, kind of uh, perspective on on their experiences during the day, whereas the other person, you know, may introspect and say, you know what, um, since I've been uh, since I've been home and quieted down, you know, I've, I've experienced more balanced energy and I've been more alert. So it's kind of getting to know yourself. And then when we go back to when we go back to the workplace or we go back to life as normal, we know that little uh, nugget about ourselves and and we can we can then give ourselves you know what we need in order to you know achieve a, a more balanced energy well and i want to talk about so i believe in taking the work from home habits into the workplace and i feel like you're hitting on this but can it be done i, I it's one thing to say let's do it but it's nothing to do it isn't it isn't there like a difference there it, yeah, I think that I think that yeah, you know, there's a, there's a certain aspect of you know, I was talking I was talking to a few colleagues about this over the over the last two weeks actually about something very closely related uh, to your question, and that is, you know, that that we've got to we've got to want to to make that change. We've we've got to want to make a change. So so I'm. I, if I'm if I'm thinking about focus, I've got to have a sort of positive attitude toward wanting to make a change that will bring me better focus or better attention or really anything else. So if I'm looking to improve my energy uh, throughout the day, I've got to want to explore a little bit. I've got to want to play a little bit with discovering new ways to improve my energy. And so once we have that desire, that's half the battle, I think. Yeah, I, I, it's wanting to do it. And I don't know. I just think there's another aspect to wanting to do it and then actually doing it. Because obviously, when we're back in our environment, the environment's going to catch up to us, isn't it? And it's actually going to take away from some of the attention that we might need to put on other things. Yeah, and 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 yeah, and I and I agree with you there too. Because you know, it, wanting to do it is half the battle, and then finding finding the way to do it is the other half. And 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 uh, so when I when I wrote my book, uh, what I looked at were twelve rules of attention, uh, twelve twelve aspects of attention that you know, twelve places that you can go into this machinery that we call attention in our head 12 places you can go to try to tune it up 
and make it sharper, quicker. Want to go to them? Uh, I'd love to explore those places with you uh, on this podcast right now. Yeah, you know, the first the first place uh, the first place is, is and the first rule is to is to uh, is is to pay attention to how you're paying attention. And so, you know, one of the things that I, I talk about in that in that first rule is 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 how 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 to talk to your brain, how to actually talk to your mind. So, you know, one of the things that I recommend is something we already talked about is to immediately walk through your footsteps. Like when you make an error, walk through those footsteps and see what led up to the error. Now, a lot of us already do that, but but here's a little something. A lot of us also don't walk through the footsteps when something good happens. You know, so so if I'm going through my day and and uh, let's say I'm working with a piece of machinery and let's say that it's, uh, it, you know, that, that it's a piece of machinery that's a little bit dangerous. And let's say that I, I almost have an accident with that machinery. And, you know, so then, you know, I'm really prone to walk through the footsteps as to what went wrong so that I won't do it again because I don't want to hurt myself or I don't want to hurt anybody else with that, with that machinery. On the other hand, sometimes we go through our day and something very good happens. And sometimes it's unexpected. Something really good happens by surprise and go, wow, you know, I really did well, <laughs> you know, you know, and if it's a sport, you know, wow, you know, my, my backhand was really good today. <laughs> you know, I, I did something I didn't expect. It's important at those points to walk through the steps too, and and see what it is that went right, and so that we can make it now part of our attention rather than just you know it's happening by happenstance. So my first rule, my first rule is to pay attention to how we're paying attention, and then to talk to our brain. And the the way we talk to our brain, one of our brain's favorite languages is patterns. Our brain loves patterns. And so when it sees a pattern, it, it tries to deliver. So, for example, you know, uh, you know a lot of us, uh, you know, I, I don't know if, you're, if a lot of your listeners like to jog, but, you know, I, I've been jogging for decades and it's something I love to do. But one thing that you notice when you start jogging is that if you, if you uh, make a routine out of it, like, for example, if I get up at 6 o'clock every morning and I'm out there jogging, I start to wake up at about quarter to 6 anyway maybe even 5.30, and because I'm, I, I've developed a pattern of waking myself up at a particular time every day. So now, you know, my body, my body is actually going to wake me up in preparation for what I have to do on a daily basis. Um, so when you develop a habit, your mind and your body try to kick in and, and deliver for what you're attempting to do. Um, just like any sport, you know, in, in sport, we know this, uh, we, we, we practice a certain uh, technique, we practice it over and over again, and, and then it becomes part of our memory. It becomes almost, we call it muscle memory, we don't even think about it, we just start doing it. And so it is with attention, you know, what we want to do is we want to, to find out what we're doing, uh, that we'd like to improve or what we think that is an error and we'd like to delete. We also want to find out what we're doing uh, that, that we really like, especially if it's something that happened all of a sudden that's working out great, and then develop a habit, develop a pattern to either delete what goes wrong or to engage what goes right. And that's, by the way, that's a good way to start to create more headspace for yourself because once you develop that pattern, you don't have to think about it anymore and you've got a clearer head. Um, so well, I like the whole, idea. I just like that idea right then and there. I think people should actually go get the book and read the rest of the 11 rules, but pay attention, <laughs> pay attention to how you pay attention. It's, it's sort of like uh, not inception, but it feels like it, right? You got to look inside to look inside even more type of feeling there. So that's, that's uh, that's a very catchy way to put it, Doctor Cardillo. Whenever we're in a situation, let's say I'm driving my car, my my mind sends out little scouts through my memories, uh, through my emotions, uh, through my my actions, uh, through my thoughts, through everything that uh, that I experienced 
the last time I was in a, a situation like that, and maybe even the time before and the time before. So this all happens in a millisecond, and it brings it back into our attention, and then we either choose which way we're going to act now or more likely, which usually happens throughout the day, is that our attention system does it for us, and it, and it picks the coordinates, it picks the behaviors that we've been using in that situation before, and that's why we do it again. So when I get in the car to drive, I've already got those coordinates locked in my mind, and, and my mind just brings them forward and does it, and I don't even have to think about it. So this, this idea that we're, we're, you know, we're 96% on autopilot all day long is, is neither good or bad. You know, it's got a good side to it in that it frees up our headspace because now we do all these things without having to think about it. But it's not so good when it gets us into trouble. Now, I think the million-dollar question, I don't know if you've been asked this or not, is how do you pay attention, Dr. Cardillo? Just like this. <laughs> Just like this. The one, the one rule that I practice all the time throughout, you know, at, at, Every day, at the end of the day, sometimes within the day, I, I take a look at how how was I paying attention today? What what got in my way and interrupted it, and 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 what 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 happened naturally that gave me a boost in attention? And the reason I do that is, is for all the reasons we we've been mentioning here to delete the stuff that gets in the way and to can you repeat that though because that's that's that is that is perk my ears up writing down what you paid attention to and not paid attention to yeah uh, you know you writing it down would be a could be a good a good way to go about it i at least just laying back and thinking about it and say you know what what happened today that you know that, how did i pay attention today you know, and just ask, you know, it's almost like asking yourself, what kind of energy did I have today? You know, when was mm -hmm. it good and when wasn't it? And you can ask yourself, you know, when was my attention good today? When was I really on? And then do a little introspection. You know what? Walk through that, walk through that part of your day and, and take a look at it and say, what, what was I thinking? What was I feeling? You know, was there music playing? Was my environment different? Was there some, what? What do I think was responsible for my good attention? Dr. Cardillo, that's a perfect way to complete today's conversation. But please, uh, Joseph Cardillo, come back. We'd love to have you. By the way, one more time, the name of the book is The 12 Rules of Attention, How to Avoid Screw-Ups, Free Up Headspace, Do More, and be more at work. He's got 12 rules. You heard some of them today, but definitely want to have him on back for more. And you can find him at his website, josephcardillo.com. And he is a Dr. Joseph Cardillo. All right. Uh, thanks again, doctor. And up next, the imposter syndrome. What exactly is it? Why should we celebrate it? Paul Larson explains on Alex Garrett podcasting this Saturday. Here's your host, Alex Garrett. Welcome back inside to Alex Garrett Podcasting. A special two-part day. Thanks to Dr. Cardillo for first joining me. But my next guest is an, another awesome guest. And kind of the same line of introspection and looking in ourselves, Mr. Paul Larson. He says, let's celebrate imposter syndrome. And Paul, I met you in the 2019 National Publicity Summit. I, I can't believe it's been two years, but so much has been going on. Let's dive into this, shall we? Sure. Thank you, Alex. And it's an honor to, to talk to you. And yes, it, it was lovely to meeting you at the, at the summit two years ago, which now seems like a lifetime ago, <laughs> given everything that's occurred since then. Okay. Um, talk to us a little bit. Yeah, so absolutely. I, um, I'm a big proponent of of really helping people find their true voice in life. And voice meaning that inner voice, who we are, that authentic voice, that genuine voice. And what happens is we get masked um, in life with our imposter. And 
Imposter syndrome, the actual, the actual uh, syndrome, quote-unquote, has been around since 1978 when it was coined um, as an actual phenomenon. It's not a medical syndrome as we know it, but it's an actual imposter phenomenon coined in 1978. And it's when we, as individuals, feel like we're um, a fake. Like maybe what we're doing is we're, we really don't know what we're doing. And inside of ourselves, we're feeling like, wow, I'm really pulling one over on people or I'm really a fraud. Um, if people really knew that I don't know what I'm doing, they would, they would ask me to leave. They would, they would kick me out of the group. They would, they would fire me from the organization, whatever it might be. So it's, it's, it's not just a matter of having confidence, which some people think that's what it's about. You can be confident in what you're doing, but you actually feel like you need to be somebody else to be incredibly successful in the role, hence the word imposter syndrome. And it comes from, um, uh, it, it, it's very common up to about 80 to 90% of successful people, Alex, people that we would deem successful in life have admitted to having felt like a fake or fraud or dealing with imposter syndrome at some point or throughout their life. So you're looking at people like Howard Schultz, who is the CEO of Starbucks for many, for many, many, many decades, Tom Hanks, the actor, uh, the late author Maya Angelou, all of these people plus so many more have said in the public domain they sometimes feel like an imposter. They sometimes feel like they're really kind of like really fake inside. So that's where it kind of comes from. And I, you asked me why I, I've kind of focused on that. It's because I've lived with it, or I should say I live with it now. And as an as a executive coach um, and as somebody who works with other people in their lives, I have to bring out my work that I work on for myself because <laughs> my work, my life, <laughs> my life is my marketing, so to speak. I have struggled with imposter syndrome and I have, I have learned through my own history with it, instead of trying to overcome it, as we like to, as we like to say, in fact, well, if you do a Google search on it or you use the SEO on Google for your search engine optimization, you'll get many, many hits when you do overcome imposter syndrome. But to me, that's a lot of work. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that tires me out. That's like, wow, that's a lot of friction to try to overcome something. I like to think about it from a different angle, which is, wait a minute. If I'm feeling like a fake, or I'm feeling like a fraud, I know that can feel uncomfortable. And I know it's not always a choice that we would necessarily want to feel that way. It just sometimes will happen to us. But that's a sign that you're doing something new. That's a sign that you are in a growth mode. That's a sign that you have stepped out of that fixed mindset and gone into the growth mindset. So I chose a different path with imposter syndrome for myself and for the people I work with, which is instead of trying to overcome it, instead of trying to kind of like struggle with it, right, I say celebrate it. Let's have a party. Let's get all the imposters together because <laughs> the imposters live in our, in our mind. The, 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 the voices that live in, in, in our mind, they're created by us. And let's celebrate that because what it means is it means you are doing something good. You are doing something new. You are trying something new in life. You might have had struggles in life. You might have some things happen to you. But how you approach things in a way is showing that you are growing. And when your imposter comes up and your imposter says, whoa, wait a minute, Paul, you're not supposed to be doing this. You, you really don't belong here with all these experts. You don't belong. What, who are you to go to this publicity summit and meet these wonderful people like Alex who have incredible, incredible media channels and so forth? You don't belong at this summit with all of these experts and all of these people that, 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 want, to, that, that want to promote themselves. When all of that happens in life, no matter the role we're in, 
that's when I kind of take the, a different approach and I say, let's celebrate that. And instead of instead of trying to stifle the voice, um, I integrate it. I say, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for bringing this to my attention. And let's go forward and let's grow with this. And through the course of that, just that little finesse, that little pivot, that little kind of different frame of reference that I use, it has helped me to really master that voice. We've had time to sit down and just be. Do you think it feel like people have become less like an imposter feeling or, or have they become more in this pandemic? Yeah, in, during the pandemic, so that's a great question. You know, this pandemic pause, you know, I've heard that, that phrase before when we, we've had this pause um, where, where life has just kind of gone on hold on so many different levels. Some people have taken the opportunity to go inward and say, wait a minute, I need a reboot. I need a refresh. I need a renewal. I need, I need to do something new in my life, and this is a chance for me to do that. So you're absolutely right on that. You're, you're spot on. People have. The opposite is also true, though. I've seen people that have, have instead of going inward, they're projecting themselves still outward in a way and they've let, the, they've let their imposter voice take control. And so even though we have the ability in any kind of, any kind of situation, but certainly during a, a, the, the global pandemic that, 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 that we're, we're involved in um, and that we're experiencing, um, we have that ability to always be mindful and go inward and work on ourselves. It's, it's, the imposter lives in the fear mindset. You know, the, Carol Dweck wrote the, the wonderful book on, on, on mindsets. And, you know, you have the fear mindset and the growth mindset. And many times we go between. We're not, it's, it, we're not mutually inclusive or exclusive to one or the other, and as she talks about. But the imposter syndrome keeps us in the fear. And so when you talk about the pandemic, to be incredibly fearful for people, incredibly fearful given everything going on in the world, incredibly fearful when you add in the political, social, and racial injustice that, that we're also dealing with in, in, in many areas of the world, including the United States. When you add all that in, that only feeds it more. So some people you're at, you know, can take a step back and say, okay, I'm going to work on myself, as some people have, and then other people I've noticed and have reached out to me have said, help me. As, as we begin to open up again, and as, as our country begins to kind of like come out of this and like, what are we coming out into? What are we, what, how do we just open up and how do we open up ourselves? Because the, okay, great, the businesses are opening up again. I absolutely am all about this. It's like, but what about ourselves? If we have been burrowed deep within ourselves and we have lived in this fear mindset because not everyone has taken the opportunity to grow through this pandemic, how are you going to open up as the rest of the country, the rest of the world begins to open up into whatever this new landscape looks like for us going forward? And so you're absolutely right. Um, and, I, and, and, and the imposter can, the, the imposter, I, I don't know statistically if there's an increase or a decrease. I would say that the imposter has probably had some popularity <laughs> in terms of the environment we're in. Well, I've got an even more interesting question for you because sure. I'm rah-rah opening, so it's kind of interesting to say that, yeah, we got to open ourselves first. And sort of like love, right? you got to love ourselves first before we love others. But you mentioned all these successful people that feel this. Have you gotten to talk to someone like a Howard Schultz? And what have they told you? So, so I haven't talked to the Howard Schultz and, and so forth like that um, directly, but a lot of the people that I've had the honor and, and humbled to work with myself in terms of my own business are people that are in what we would consider, you know, very stellar positions in organizations. Everything from from your standard organizations of, of in finance to I work in a lot of social media, a lot of social tech and digital tech. And so I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different leaders. And what I have found is a lot of times leaders don't know what, how to identify it. So you have a Howard Schultz, or you have a Tom Hanks, or you even have a Michelle Obama, and they have all called out imposter syndrome as something they have experienced. 
Um, but that doesn't always help people that are in these leadership roles because when you're in a company, Alex, when you're in the corporate business environment, and that could be government or non-government, it doesn't matter, there isn't a, there's not like a 1-800 imposter hotline to call to say, um, gosh, I feel like a fake or fraud. I'm not quite sure what to do. I mean, I don't know anyone who's ever admitted that in a company because you wouldn't do that. But So people sit with this. And when I'm with these folks in a coaching environment or some kind of a, a group coaching or even a, a, a facilitation environment, many times it comes out. And that's when I talk to them. And that's when I realize here are people that are, are presenting on, on, on TV frequently. You know, they're on the, they're, or they're being quoted in the Wall Street Journal. They have what we would consider sometimes benchmarks of successes, right? Um, but yet down inside, they're like, oh, my God, I feel like a fake. I'm a fraud. So what, by, by naming it right there, by naming it as imposter, we're able to name it. And that's what, when, when you read about um, Howard Schultz and you read about all these other folks, they said one of the first things that they've encountered was when they named it. They called it something, i.e. imposter syndrome. That helps to acknowledge it. It's not something that, that, is, that, that, that is an oddity. It's something that's actually very common. It happened to me back in um, 2000, I think it was like 2005, 2006. I had an incredible job, Alex. I was head of, I was head of HR for a $3 billion organization. So statistically, it looked incredibly successful. And I was doing a good job. I was trying to figure stuff out. But inside, I was like, oh, my God, like, if they realize that I really don't know what I'm doing here, they're going to ask me to leave, right? And the irony, when I say that to you, is the irony, Alex, was the people that would ask me to leave would probably be coming from the HR organization, which was the organization I was actually leading. So it's kind of crazy thinking, but it was real thinking for me. And it took a mentor of mine um, when we were talking one day, and she said to me, do you feel like a fraud? Just like that, she just came right out with that question. And I looked at her like, nobody had ever asked me that before. Right. Who, who asked people if they feel like a fraud? And I said, yes. I go, my God, yes. She goes, oh, she goes, that's imposter syndrome. It was almost like, oh, yeah, you just have imposter syndrome. Here's what it is. And, and it, it was like a breath of fresh air. It didn't take it away, but it was like, oh, there's an identification to it. There's a name to it. I can go in and research it. I can go in and figure this out. And that's what I've been doing since then, right? It might sound like and, a crazy and, question, Paul, but how many people would you say suffer from this? Yeah, so, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, great, that's a great question. It's not a crazy question at all, Alex, but when you look at the number of people that we would deem successful in life, and that can run into the millions, and up to 80% of these people, um, from the last stat that came out, you know, up to 80% have admitted to it. That's a significant number of people, right? So even if it's a, even if it's a million people or even if it's a few thousand, you're talking about a lot of people. But if you're feeling like a fake, you're feeling like a fraud, first you anchor it and say, okay, it could be imposter syndrome because here's what that looks like. Figure out when it happens to you. That's the second thing. So what, what, when does it occur? Does it occur when you're in a particular role? Does it occur when you're with particular people? Does it occur when you're in a certain situation or scenario? So one of the other apps, um, it doesn't always happen in organizations. It can happen to parents, new parents. They all of a sudden birth an incredible, beautiful new baby, infant, and all of a sudden they find themselves in the role of the parent. And even though they prepared through the, through, the, through the nine months that they're going to be parents, all of a sudden they are responsible for this incredible life, right? And when we do, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to take care of a baby. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And all of a sudden the feeling of like a fake or a fraud can come in. I'm really not a real parent. I'm like an imposter. It happens all the time to new parents, right? So it can happen in all different situations. First is acknowledge it. Second is understand the situation when it occurs, because by understanding that, and you kind of go through and you kind of detail it out, you kind of pick away the model, you can then preempt it. You can then predict certain things about when it will be triggered in you. 
So case in point. Um, when I go back to my experience, when I was when I when I was in that the, the senior leadership role, I noticed that I felt like a fake or I felt like a fraud when I was in an environment that I was surrounded by people that I considered to be much smarter than me, much brighter than me, much more successful than me. So case in point, it would be when I was presenting to the board of directors on Wall Street at the company I was at. Uh, and I was in this board, board, big boardroom on Wall Street, the whole nine yards, the, all the wonderful, you know, the attributes of a huge ball, you know, boardroom overlooking the, the, be- the beauty of New York. And sh- with these people who are like titans of industry. Oh, I gotta be honest with you, I'm feeling the same way. Like, that's how I felt when I was the National Publicity Summit. Like, I'm just a podcast. <laughs> what do I know on this panel, you know? But thank God they gave me a chance. And that's how I approached it. But I felt the same. I was like, what exactly do I think I know? You know what I mean? Okay, and what, oh, so, the, so the excellent, 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 Alex. Thank you for saying that. So what did you do in that moment? Right in that moment when I, you're feeling that, what did you do? Well, that was when I first got the word I was going to do it. Then when I was there, uh-huh. I just kind of chilled out, and okay. I did it, and I thought I did okay on the panel. Yeah. That's, that's why uh, I, I guess I had it back. But when I first got nominated, I'm like, what? It's me? Out of everything? You know, and, and then... When I got there and they had the whole clapping and the whole rolling in, I'm like, uh-huh. what? What? And then I just uh-huh. calmed down when I got on the podium and I, I spoke my thoughts. There you go. Okay. So that that so thank you so much for sharing that actually because that's better than anything I could actually bring up in in terms of what I was going to say. What what you did there was two things. One is when you first got the invitation, you could have said, wait a minute. Why are they inviting me? Like you did. You questioned it a little bit, right? You did. And then you could say, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. I, I don't want to put myself in that situation, which is what a lot of people do. And, and, and going back to what you said about the pandemic, the pandemic allowed us to kind of stay inside and, and hide ourselves virtually from that, right? So that's what happened is that something in you, something in you said, no, nah, I'm going to do it. You had enough of that. You know what? I, I you know, I, 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 I built this. I, I built myself into this. I've been invited to this. I recognize this. You still might have had some little fear. You might have had some doubts. All those things, but you still, something in you clicked where you decided to say, "No, yeah, I'm going to do it." And then that was the first thing. The second thing was at the actual event, which is there's usually two parts to everything. One is when we accept something, like an invitation or or a decision to do something. The second is when we're actually in that particular situation, in your case, the, the actual summit. And you're standing, you're, 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 you're there, and you're up on stage, or you're about to come in, or they're applauding, and they're introducing everybody and all that stuff, and you're like, okay, what, what, what's going on? What am I here? And you're like, I'm just going to go with it. And you use the term, I love the term you use, chill. I use that a lot. I use that a lot to people when, when, when I'm working with myself and I'm working with others to like, Take a breath. Take two breaths. Take three breaths. Your hashtag on this, because I work in a lot of social media, so everybody talks in hashtags, right? Hashtag is, I got this. I can do this. I'm going so to do Paul, this. So, Paul, let me ask this you this. No when decision. you presented, because I'm kind of curious now, when you presented, did you go first? Because I felt the way the panel was not going first was such a benefit because you could learn on how others were answering before you. So, were you in that circumstance where you weren't first, or did you feel were you right up there in the pressure there in, in the Wall Street? Yeah, yeah, it, 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 that's a great that's a great question, and I would love to say, Alex, I would love to say that I had the wherewithal or the awareness in that moment to choose when I wanted to go, um, or you know, in that in that sense, and I didn't, and I was further down the agenda, and so I wasn't first. Um, and so I was probably in in, 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 the, in the situation I just talked about. I was probably like third or fourth. Now, to your point, that can do one of two things. It could make me even more incredibly nervous because as these other people get up and present, um, and I hear the questions, I hear the I hear the probing, I hear the the contradictions. I hear because that's what board meetings were all about. Was like why you know they're poking holes in lots of things. That's what they're supposed to do from a governance perspective. Um, and I'm seeing that, and I'm and 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 it's like it's only making me feel like oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, right? Or 
by going third or fourth on the agenda, I could say, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to learn, watch these people and get to know their styles, get to know how they communicate, get to know how they ask questions, get to know, because there was no chance for me to back out. It wasn't about me like, okay, I'm here. I'm now going to leave and I'm not going to present. That wasn't an option. I decided, you know, I'm there. So what I decided to do was kind of in, in terms of who you are, Alex, and what I'm hearing from you is you put yourself in situations and you learn. And, and you go forward with things, and you, and you deal with those things. That's what I did. You know, in the, in, the, in the scheme of life, is this a major trauma? Of course not. But in that moment, when you're fearful, like I was, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are, you know, I thought, wait a minute, Paul, chill out. You know your stuff. You're here because of who you are. You're here because you actually know more about the human capital aspect, the human relations aspect of an organization more than anyone else here. And so by listening to the people in the room, instead of being fearful and just sweating and like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, when's my turn? I actually just opened myself up and said, okay, let's watch this guy, this guy, let me watch her, let me see what she says. And by the time I got up there, it wasn't like all the fear dissipated, but I felt like I was more familiar with the people in terms of their 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 communication, what they were going to ask. and and. Did it go as, as did it go as splendidly as it could? Of course not. Did it, but was it was it was it was it was it a train wreck? Absolutely not. And I learned a lot from that whole episode on that. So the next time I went, and the next time I went, there was certain expectations then. And I will never forget this. The fourth time I went, which was because we did quarterly board meetings. Um, one of the guys from J.P. Morgan, when he when he says, "Oh, he goes, Paul's here. He's our, he's our he got, he's our human expert. He knows everything about people." Just off the top, that's what he said. And I thought to myself, interesting. I've been able to establish a trust and credibility of that human side of things. And so that you know, so so that shows that if we can, like you were just saying, if you continue to make decisions that put yourself in situations where you can showcase who you are, you can grow from those, you can chill out, take a moment, and keep going, your, your brand will come through, your authentic And by the way, I meet awesome people through. like you, because we got to meet a wide variety of people that day, and, you know, it sticks out, and I think the way you guys presented, to be very honest, it is the way you present. How do you stick out in someone's mind? I think that was the pressure you guys had, and you, you aced it pretty well, Paul. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And I really appreciate, you know, again, your reaching out to me and, 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 and then validating that and recognizing that for myself. Right. And I really appreciate that, but it really is to your point, what you're talking about, Alex is finding who we are, finding our inner voice and you listening to that voice to go forward, no matter what life is going to, my gosh, life life is full of all different challenges and adversities and all different things that that, that 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 we encounter. And and it's not about life being fair or unfair, because you hear that a lot, you know, oh life's so unfair. It's like it's not about that. Life is life. But how what we do with ourselves in it, how we use our experiences, how we use those challenges, and then and then to serve others. And that's what I love about you because you know, listening to your listening to your podcast, and obviously listening to your episodes, it's like you serve others. You serve others with the knowledge. You serve others by bringing in these these interesting people and and talking to them and and bringing that out. That's what life's about. So how can we serve others? And that's what I that's the pivot around imposter syndrome. Get out of our head, get into the heart, and figure out how we serve others, and know that you are continually growing. There's not always a destination. It's always part of the journey. Paul, I realize you didn't even cover your voice leadership, and I'd love to in another podcast, right? So, like, sure, tease it up, you know, like, let's see up <laughs> people to come back. Um, Absolutely. But one last thing on this day, because what you're talking about is the reason why I reached out to you in, in general, is your confidence chest. Now, I reached out about that in April. I've seen that you did that. Can people, I feel like people could benefit from that. Is that archived? And Will you be doing more confidence chats for your LinkedIn followers to, to be up? Yeah, on? yeah, absolutely. Um, that is archived. People can just send me a send me a note, uh, and I'll and I'll send them the link for the confidence chats. 
that th- those were wonderful things that were that were created by my colleague Andrew. He he brought. It was interesting. He had folks come onto his podcast, much like you do, one on one, and then he had a brain. He had just had this brain awareness, you know, kind of like spark that said, "What if I brought some of these same people together in more of a panel interview? We have more of a chat around confidence because again." He was talking around the same things that we're talking about. He's noticing in leadership, wow, people people aren't very confident. They they deal with imposter. They deal with self-doubt. And then he brought us all together, and we had these little confidence chats. And they were very widely received. Um, they were just incredible in terms of just myself just being on the panel, but I learned so much from the other panelists and the audience. So they were just all, it just shows you, again, going back to your question earlier, it shows you there's an incredible appetite for people in any kind of role to, to garner, like, how do I garner more, more confidence? How do I garner that, overcome that self-doubt? How do I become much more genuine around over the imposter? Um, so absolutely, that those are, we'll probably be doing more of those in the future, and then if somebody would love to have that, they can, they can have the link to that. That would be, that's great. Can I lift the veil on one more thing because I feel very sure. to talk about this? I was recording because I'm in radio and I was recording one show on one studio and another thing on another studio and talking to you. So, you know, I just felt like kind of not imposter, but I'm just like, how am I doing all this at the same time? So I figured you'd appreciate that. <laughs> really, that shows that shows your ability to be present. That's the other piece present in the moment, right? Because that's what you're doing. You're being present by knowing I've got this going on, I've got that going on, I have this going on, and I want to be present with all of those. And by showing that and demonstrating that and then telling me and your listeners about that, you're owning that. You're being present in that. And, you know, I feel like all this covers adaptation, so I'm very appreciative that you gave us a lot of your time today, Paul, and Please come back. We'd love to have a voice. We'd love to have everything. Is, you know, I'm trying to get like the post-pandemic uh, readout, if you will. Like, what are people telling you about their exactly. post-pandemic? Sure. So we'd love to have that as well. And um, maybe we're coming out of this feeling a little more real than we did going into it. That, that's, a good, yeah. that's a good key and a good goal to have. All right, Paul, Wonderful. thank you so much, and God bless you, and, and let's have you back. And same to you, Alex. God bless you, and have a wonderful rest of your week and weekend and, and, and the rest of the month. We'll, we'll talk soon. I'm Alex Garrett. Well, we're always adapting. Thank you to my guests today, and we'll talk to you soon.